Chapters twenty nine and thirty of the Turnpike House by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twenty nine The End of the Turnpike House. Perhaps had Heron attacked Jerry less suddenly, and had he not shewn by a few chosen remarks that he knew a good deal, the half witted creature might not have confessed. But his weak nature gave way altogether. And during the next half hour, Geoffrey turned him inside out like a glove the story which heron extracted from the whimpering creature was what roper had always suspected and rightly that jenner had hidden the forged bill before he went to prison when the man came out he got to know the date of his discharge and set jerry to follow him in order that he might see where he went to get the document jerry was on the track for many days and saw that he procured it from an old friend who ignorant of its value had taken charge of it the document was in a sealed envelope and jerry had seen jenner place it in a red pocket-book all this he reported to roper and he was then ordered to follow jenner and get it from him at all costs jerry got again on the track of the released prisoner and followed him down to westham in one way or another the spy kept himself out of sight for jenner having been roper's clerk knew the lad as he was then the rest may be told in jerry's own words which were many and rambling he got down here on a misty rainy night sir he said fiddling with his clumsy fingers and i kept at his heels at a wayside pub he took victuals and drink i watched the door from the other side of the road and ate what i had with me i daren't go inside lest he should see me didn't you lose him in the mist asked geoffrey who was listening eagerly i never lose anything sir returned jerry i can see anywhere and foller like a dog you don't slip me i've had enough follering to do for the master well jenner he goes to a large pool of water the wagoner's pond go on oh that's it is it i never knowed well there he meets with mr marshall oh i knowed his voice i was hiding near them behind a hedge i was and a ghost came past me sir a ghost with a long black dress heron saw that the man was ignorant that mrs marshall also had been listening and this was all the better it was well that jerry had taken her for a ghost i hate him so you see explained jerry he killed miss elsa and i was cruel fond of her i was well them two was talking about the bill and jenner he shooed it to marshall but he wouldn't give it up till he got money for it marshall said he'd give him money when he was married and after that they parted i tried to follow jenner but i thought the other marshall would a spot me i didn't mind though as i knowed jenner was going to the turnpike house to see his wife but you were a stranger how did you know where that was i had passed it in the afternoon and from what marshall said to jenner i knowed it was the turnpike house well sir i scrambled a lot and got mixed i don't know where i got then i heard a scuffle and a cry and i saw in the mist two men fighting marshall and job thought heron then aloud go on i thought as someone else might be after the red book so i was going to run forward when one cove he slipped away and after groaning awful the other he went too he was shaken a lot by the fight i stayed where i was for a time then i creeps forward and lights a match what did you do that for i wanted to see if in the fight the red book had been dropped how was i to know that one of them wasn't jenner in spite of his going on to the turnpike when i cast a light he resumed i saw something glittering on the ground 
it was a broken link and i examined it by another match there was two links one piece was a champagne bottle just as you said sir and the other was my pin with the girl i thought they were pretty and saw they were gold so i puts them into my coat pocket how did you lose them then geoffrey asked thinking his explanation perfectly feasible i only lost one the champagne bottle said jerry quite gravely cause there was a hole in my pocket i knowed nothing of the other i took home and got made into a pin i never knowed till you spoke where i lost the one was it under the turnpike window he inquired it was found there assented heron jerry scratched his head i must have shook it out when i was looking in at the window he muttered oh you did look in at the window then of course i did sir wasn't i following jenner after i picked up the links i went straight to the turnpike but didn't get there for a long time through having mistook the way i see a light in the window and i sneaks up to it through the bushes the window was open and jenner he was leaning against it on a table under the window i saw a knife and the red pocket-book with the bill jenner was talking to himself and cursing some child poor neil muttered heron i waited a bit to steal the book when i heard jenner give a yell and saw a kid come into the room looking frightful he ran at jenner who gave a skip and dodged him the child's eyes was like diamonds and fixed i never seed anything like the looks of him in my born days jenner he screeched again and pitched himself at the child to fall on top of him leastways it looked like it but i didn't wait i saw my chance and grabbing the pocket-book i ran like a deer i did just as i got a little way off a cove jumped out on me and collared my throat singing out for the red book i wouldn't give it up and shoved it deeper into my pocket but he held me down with one hand and dug it out with the other my heart sighed jerry rubbing his hand didn't the master give me beans for not having that pocket-book didn't you know who robbed you no i wish i had known i'd have got the book next week when the talk of the murder was passed but the master got a scare from that though i told him as i tell you that it wasn't me he said lie low so i did lie low and after a time he gave up the idea of getting the bill till you came the other day and he thought you might have it so i've come to buy it if you will sell we'll talk about that later jerry are you sure jenner was alive when you left the window i swear it he was just making for the kid had he the knife in his hand not as i know sir i think it was on the table jenner just ran at the kid with his mouth open he was in a cruel fright but i cut and didn't wait to see anything then do you think the child killed jenner lor no sir cried jerry amazed a weak little thing like that sides the kid hadn't the knife twas on that table i'm sure can you guess then who killed him no sir i can't all i know is that i didn't but now you know just say if i'm to have the bill i'll tell you to-morrow morning i must know to-night the master wants me back to-night he can't have you then said heron dryly you stay here to-night i want you to repeat your story to someone else i won't then i was a fool to tell but i don't know nothing 
you must stay here i never killed him wept jerry then he turned sullen and made a grab at his hat i'll go he said and made for the door stephen called geoffrey and geoffrey found himself face to face with a big footman who seized him with iron hands here here he shouted struggling and roaring let me go i never did nothing to jenner let me go lock him up in some empty room stephen cried mr heron and give him food and wine he must be kept here all night i will take the responsibility confound this foot if i were only able to walk oh i'll keep you mr hutt we haven't done with each other yet jerry's cunning came suddenly to his aid and he ceased struggling if you give me grub and wine i'll stop he said i ain't done nothing to jenner and i ain't afraid take him away stephen and do what i tell you said geoffrey sharply and jerry hutt soon found himself locked in an outshed with a tray of food and a bottle of beer for his supper at intervals stephen the footman came in to see that he was safe the creature noticed this and made his plans accordingly immediately after stephen had departed after one of these peeps he scrambled up the rough woodwork and managed to get to the window which was closed merely by a hasp no one having the least idea that the man would attempt to escape jerry broke open the catch and soon forced his ungainly body through the opening not paying sufficient attention to his footing he fell and alighted on a manure heap some distance below spoiling my nice new suit he grumbled as he groped round to get out of the yard in which he now found himself there was some little difficulty about this but he at last discovered a gate which led into a by-lane and was soon out of mr heron's grounds running across country for all he was worth chuckling at the way in which he had outwitted his host for quite two hours he wandered on for he had completely lost his bearings the night was fine with a high wind the moon was at the zenith and across her silver face passed cloud after cloud at intervals the whole landscape became light as day and he could see plainly but he was a comparative stranger though he had several times been down looking for the bill by his master's order suddenly he emerged on to a common overgrown with gorse and found himself on a spot where four roads met some distance away a white house looked spectral in the moonlight the turnpike he said aloud my gum and there's the window i looked through the light's in it now too just as it was when jenner was killed i wonder who's in there his curiosity got the better of his fear of mr heron and with a surprisingly light step for the man was heavy he crept through the jungle of bushes and sneaked along the wall of the house just like old times he said chuckling i hope there ain't no more murders though someone was singing a wild song in a drunken voice and when the clerk peered through the window for there was no blind he saw a man dancing in the middle of the room a cheap oil lamp was on the table and by its light the dancer executed his fandango waving a bottle as he did so the apartment was bare and a horrible smell of petroleum was wafted to jerry's nostrils in his curiosity he forgot to keep himself concealed and job for he was the dancer saw him he flung himself across the room and before jerry had realized his danger the gypsy had seized him by the collar of his coat and was dragging him through the window come in come in satan yelled the drunken man we'll have another murder ho 
let me go let me go screeched jerry but he was like a rabbit caught in a snare and shortly found himself in a heap on a petroleum-soaked floor while job closed the window hut was terrified but he could see no means of escape have a drink shouted job thrusting the bottle under mr hut's nose you let me go he whispered clinging to a chair if you don't my master will set the police on to you see if he don't the police cried job what do i care for them they can't do anything to me she'll keep them off she will i can shoe up her husband if she don't drink drink or i'll kick you partly to avert the carrying out of his threat and partly because he was extremely dry with his race across country jerry accepted the offer and as the ardent spirits went down his throat he felt his courage revive i'm jerry hutt he exclaimed and i work for mr roper i want the bill the bill he made a grab at the gypsy it will lay him by the heels he hissed lay who by the heels hang you cried job pushing him back why marshall i won't call him mr marshall who killed my poor dear miss elsa job half stupid with drink had yet the sense to gather the meaning of the words blessed if i won't know of the red pocket-book too he muttered and even as he spoke jerry caught the words and repeated them the red pocket-book he shouted do you know where it is the bill is in it and i'll buy it off you oh yes i will fifty pounds job banged his fist so heavily on the table that the lamp tottered i wish i had it now he cried fifty pounds by gum have you the bill there asked jerry taking another drink no i haven't anything said job she got it out of me got what out of you why the red pocket-book but the bill wasn't in it he added for a moment jerry stared at the man then dropped the bottle with a crash on the floor it broke and the liquor forming a pool added its fumes to the smell of the petroleum you had that red book stuttered jerry trying hard to clear his brain and it was taken from me you live here you were you oh oh he sprang from his seat with a roar you took it from me well said job with a growl was you the cove as i fought on that night and knocked about so you robber you thief cried jerry crouching for a spring give me back my property the book the bill and he flung himself on the gypsy who gave a cry of rage i'll crush you like a fly as i did before job said and grappled with his visitor but job was not the man he had been twelve years before he could not hold his own as he had once done shouting and cursing the two men swayed round the apartment finally they crashed against the table and upset the lamp it fell and burst on the floor immediately the woodwork soaked as it was in petroleum broke into flame and in almost less time than it takes to tell the whole room was in a blaze with a yell of terror jerry tried to shake himself free and leap through the girdle of fire but job held him fast no you don't he shouted you die with me whoever you are i've made arrangements for this i never intended to live but i thought i'd die alone now i've got you 
and he made a clutch at jerry's throat after that the struggle proceeded in silence for job held his peace and jerry could not cry out by reason of those two strong hands fast on his throat by this time the room was blazing like a furnace and the clothes of the two men were in flames a frightened wayfarer saw the fire streaming towards the sky saw two men vaguely struggling in the flames chapter thirty the truth at last it is not impossible said geoffrey thunderstruck mrs marshall shook her head so possible that i always thought so myself she said my own idea was the same remarked mr cass who was the third person of the party now assembled in mr heron's library i have told you several times geoffrey that i believed mrs jenner to be guilty the young man drew a long breath even now he could scarcely credit the news so she really did kill her husband there can be no doubt about it said mr cass pointing to an envelope lying on the table there is a copy of her confession she signed it in the presence of the chaplain and the governor of the jail it was the morning after the burning down of the turnpike house that this conversation took place information that two charred bodies had been found among the ruins had led geoffrey to believe that jerry had perished along with job stephen had informed him on the previous night that the creature had made his escape and no pursuit had been attempted there was no doubt in geoffrey's mind that jerry had gone to see job at the turnpike house but why he should have done so and why it had come about that he and the gipsy should have met their deaths together he could not think nor was the mystery ever cleared up but if the death of jerry remained a mystery that of jenner did not towards noon mr cass made his appearance together with his sister to see mr heron after some little talk about the fire geoffrey detailed what had been confessed to him on the previous night how did it all come about he asked now that's what i want to know said inez sebastian has told me nothing beyond the bare fact as yet because i want to tell the story once and for all and then put it out of my mind said her brother solemnly you see heron my sister and you both know all about this case what you have told us about jerry hutt's visit supplies the last link which brings the crime home to mrs jenner i am not going to tell any one else how the murder took place i have asked the governor and the chaplain not to tell neil the truth when he goes up for the funeral he has had enough trouble poor boy i for one do not want him to have any more he believes now that his mother is innocent oh indeed interrupted mrs marshall with a haughty curl of her lip and who does he believe guilty job the gipsy he thinks that the man set fire to the turnpike house and destroyed himself so as to escape the penalty of his crime i think it only merciful that he should be allowed to remain under that impression i quite agree with you said heron heartily and you mrs marshall she bowed her head i have no ill-will towards the young man although i hated his mother but she has gone to her account so i will say no more about her as to neil webster as he calls himself and will continue to call himself interposed mr cass sternly i will say nothing to him continued mrs marshall taking no notice of this interruption i do not wish to visit the sins of the parents upon the children but with one parent murdered and the other parent a murderess i don't see how the young man can turn out well and i sincerely hope that he will not marry that unfortunate jenny brawn if he asks her to marry him she will not accept him blindly said mr cass for i intended to tell her the whole story 
suppressing the fact that mrs jenner was guilty that is well put in geoffrey but i should like to hear the story of mrs jenner's crime i can tell it to you in a few words said mr cass the clerk's tale has brought the story up to the time when jenner flung himself on the child well mrs jenner heard his cry and rushed down into the room jenner was mad with rage at the uncanny hatred shown to him by his own son and had him by the hair of the head shaking him as a terrier does a rat mrs jenner rushed at him she thought he would kill the child they struggled and he struck her while this was going on she found herself near the table and seeing the knife blindly snatched it up throwing her husband to one side then clutching the child to her breast and holding out the knife to keep off the infuriated man she tried to make her escape from the house but jenner was blind with fury both against the child and against his wife who had instilled such hatred into the mind of the boy he rushed at her she cried out that she was holding the knife but he took no notice of her and ran up against the blade which buried itself in his heart he fell and his wife fainted with the insensible child in her arms it was when she came to herself some time afterwards that she recalled what she had done but it was by accident that she had killed him and this she swore most solemnly she denied that she had ever intended murder then she fled from the house into the darkness until she fell insensible under a hedge the rest you know mrs marshall laughed again at this account i believe she killed him on purpose she said she had every reason to do it mr cass said coldly but all the same i believe she has spoken the truth jenner died by accident if this is so said geoffrey slowly and i see no reason to disbelieve it why did mrs jenner tell neil that he had killed his father i asked her that and her answer was that she was afraid if neil reopened the case some evidence might be brought forward to prove that she had really committed the murder she had told her son that she was innocent and she did not wish him to learn the truth it was only on my giving a promise not to tell him that she consented to make the confession she wants him to think of her only as a mother who loved him not as a murderess humph remarked geoffrey doubtfully a queer way of shewing her love to put it into the head of an imaginative neurotic creature like neil that he himself was guilty it will not do him any harm said mr cass i don't pretend to say that i approve of her clearing her own name at the expense of neil's peace of mind but it is not for us to judge and before she died she repented of having made that statement did she know how the red pocket-book was stolen asked geoffrey abruptly no she had been so busy struggling with jenner for possession of the child she said that she took no notice of any one at the window that was why jerry as you say was able to put his hand in and take the book it was lucky for the clearing up of the case that jenner had sewn the bill inside the toy horse if roper had got hold of it he would have made it hot for marshall he hates him like poison on account of i have heard enough of that story interrupted mrs marshall and you seem to forget sebastian that if the bill had already been in the pocket-book i should have got it through job i am tired of it all i hope it is all ended for ever yes inez you will hear no more about it in a few days mrs jenner and her story will be buried and we will all try and forget the past neil must never know i shall not tell him nor i said mrs marshall with for her remarkable generosity no one knows the truth but ourselves and we will keep silence what about those poor wretches who have been burnt 
well geoffrey must tell how jerry hutt came to see him and in some way we must prove the remains to be his after all the corpse what is left of it may not be jerry i think it is said heron indeed i am certain of it i expect he and job got quarrelling about the bill and job set fire to the house in order to burn them both jerry did not burn willingly i am sure of that job no doubt detained him in the burning house until it was too late mrs marshall shuddered job indeed was wicked as well she knew but now she was relieved from his blackmailing and had only her husband to deal with and she resolved now that she was in possession of the bill to make short work of him her thoughts still seemed inclined to separation and the romish church well good-bye geoffrey mr cass said shaking hands i hope your ankle will soon be right ruth is coming over to see you but remember not a word to her not a word said the young man but i say cass if i were you i should burn that copy of the confession the original in the possession of the authorities will be sufficient to prove mrs jenner's guilt should any one else be accused which is not likely after all burn it i intend to do so and mr cass dropped the document into the fire i only brought it back so that you might be sure she was guilty ah it is in ashes already i wish we could get rid of all our painful memories so easily but to the end of my life i shall never forget this case and these were the last words they spoke on the subject for mr cass and geoffrey ever afterwards carefully avoided all mention of it nor was there even the turnpike house to remind them of the tragedy for it had been burnt to the ground and mr heron had the site ploughed and enclosed in the field adjoining so that the next year corn waved where the blood-stained habitation had stood mrs marshall carried out her intention of separating from her husband she gave him a portion of her money and made him a present of the forged bill and he betook himself and his money to paris neil buried his mother and mourned her for many months then he made his reappearance in public and was more successful than ever now that time was healing his wounds he began to think about his future and the first thing he did was to ask jenny brawn to share it with him she poor girl accepted him with joy and at once sent the good news to ruth mr cass thereupon went up to london and called upon the girl at his daughter's house for she was still teaching mrs chisel's children he told her the whole story not thinking it fair that she should marry neil in ignorance of the truth and at first she was horrified but declared that nothing could alter her determination to marry him i love him she said and that was all the strange story of the burning of the two men and that of the murder which had taken place in the same house twelve years before is now often told by winter firesides but few know the truth that the mother of neil webster the famous violinist was the guilty person in the tragedy of the turnpike house the truth was disclosed to mr cass to geoffrey heron to mrs marshall and to the governor of jail and the chaplain but as for this story it is told with other names and the scene is laid fifty miles from the real locality end of chapters twenty nine and thirty the end of the turnpike house by fergus hume recorded by celine major